Baba Yahweh. Thank you for stirring the waters as it was in the beginning when you were crossing the water, your Holy Spirit. And Father, when the stillness here and the stirring, taking me, waking me, lifting me, coming to you. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh, the opportunity to be in your word, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness, and thank you for being here and coming and sharing time with me and helping me to understand. Through your spirit, thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Amen. Yeshu Amen. Parakletos Amen. So, um, okay. Um, some things I'm going to touch on, but uh, the Holy Spirit's been kind of straying things up a little bit here. Wouldn't let me lay down and... <laughs> That's okay, because it's a good place to be. Um, <clears throat> but has my mindset on some specific things that I see... And I'm going to share about, I'm not going to call anybody out by name because that's not my nature unless they really need it desperately. And that's not for me to decide that Holy Spirit will tell me if I need to do that. But there's things that we get caught up in and I was doing part of my reading and that we have um, something that many of us do and even those of us that are within the church body and we think that... <clears throat> Everything we're doing because it's about the church, everything that we do is regarding the church and I got to do this for the pastor, I got to do this for the elders and I got to get this program done, I got to get this done, I got to get this, I got to get, 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 get. Well, guess what? You have made time a tyrant and an idol and that is a false idol and because you have convinced yourself, well, actually, the devil has convinced you that that's okay because... You're doing it for the church. Well, yeah, see, here's something that you need to pay attention to and you may have missed or decided to just ignore it, which was your choice. But the reality is that the devil works that way in our minds. He'll put a thought and convince you that it's your thought and you're thinking it and keep bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back. Maybe a little bit different different angle, but it's relatively the same all the time. Making time an idol that you decide to put and that you decide that you don't have time for anything else because you have too much to do and too little time to do. Let me share this with you. It's something I learned a long time ago. And I actually... I wish I could remember who it was now, and I can't recall. I'm old and I forget. But there is a resource that all of us have way more than we need. Way more than we understand. And we way more than we give any kind of credit to. And yet, it's something we won't share freely it's way too expensive, 
and we won't give it away to anybody that's important to us, like our children, our grandchildren, and relatives, and people, our loved ones. And we're hard-pressed to share it with anybody at all. And yet, it's a resource that there really is absolutely plenty of, enough of, and it's not as dwindled as people think it is. And it's more precious than gems, precious metals. It's time. It's time. The reality of it is that there is more. We all complain about not having enough, but God tells us that he made us a certain way because he knows that we can't handle it any other way. Why do you think that God gave us our mental increments that he did for a 24-hour period. Think about it for just a minute. That's all I'm going to give you. 60 seconds. No more, no less. I got things to do. <laughs> Sound familiar? God gave us that because he knows that we can't go beyond that. A 24-hour period of time is way more than enough than we can handle in our mindset. We start going beyond that. What happens? You start going Looney Tunes. Oh man, I gotta get that done. I gotta have that done by Wednesday. I gotta have that done by Thursday. I gotta have that. But man, the pastor wants this done before uh, service on Sunday. And I just got all this that I'm doing. I got that to do. And I got these appointments to do. I got this book. Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Well, first of all, start, stop filling up your day planner. And I've shared this with you before, is that we fill that thing up with so many things and we make an agenda for it that it doesn't really need to be made for. God gave us a gift and we have turned it into a monstrosity. And that gift is forethought, pre-planning. We can have things and see things that come at us and we can kind of know and make plans. And that's okay, knowing and, and setting aside something maybe that we need to save for that or... Uh, Oh, but getting so wrapped up in that thing that's coming that you completely erase anything that you have applied for anyone else or anything else that that thing that is not even here yet, is not even arriving for two or three more days, takes a precedent or a priority over other people and other things. And consequently, there are many where it takes precedent over family, loved ones, close friends, children, and they put that off. They put the important things aside. And on top of that, that we do our, to ourselves, we have the world, and this is in my studying, is that the world is pretty much filled with non-stop demands for our time, for our attention, and we acquiesce and we give into that, making time a tyrant, an idol, actually, for many people and in many cases. And then you diminish the importance of loved ones, friends, family, and really important things. Quiet time with God. Be still and know that I am Lord thy God. Hashim.
the maker of days, the creator of all things created by everything. I hold it together. They don't just exist because of me. They consist because of me. My hand is in everything you see. My hands are in everything you touch. My breath created everything that you see around you. Heaven and nature sing and rejoice in my majesty. And yet you don't take time to relish my presence. Everything has become more important. We have made a habit of putting God on hold. Everything else takes precedence. Everything else is more important. Brothers and sisters, I am sharing this with you in all earnestness that we need to be making time for God and taking advantage of every moment that we have to spend with him, practicing hearness, practicing his presence and his hearness with us whenever we can. I had a, uh, I have a lovely sister in the church body and, and one of her, one of her complaints it wasn't really expresses that, but it was. You can one of those things you could tell that she didn't seem to have enough time with God, and she was preparing for a mission trip. And I tried to share with her, and I told her that I am familiar with where she was going, and that they have places that would be nice that she could step aside and go inside of a gate to the secret garden. They actually have a lot of them. And then upon return, and, and I took a moment to talk to her and she never, she never, never did. And when I asked, the response was, oh, we didn't have time. There was, there was too much going on, too much activity, which is what, the complaint that she had initially. So my question would be to Jesus's earthly mother, Mary, has said it to him. And she looked at him and she said, if not now, when? So if you don't do it now, when? Again, we have much more time than we allow ourselves to believe. And we diminish, we'll take away time from everything else that is really important because that thing that we think is much more important, we need to give extra time to. Oh, I'll take that from the kids and I'll take that from the wife and I'll take that from the, the dog walk and I'll take that from getting the stuff done around the house because I can always put it back later. Well, no, you can't. Because once you draw from that account, you can't put back in because it's gone. It's spent. It's exercised. 
and you think you can put it back because that's what we allow ourselves to believe. But you can't do it. It can't be done. Because guess what? That special occasion that your child was looking forward, like a birthday party and celebration that you had totally overlooked, completely forgotten, and took time away from that to do this other thing, whatever it could be, something for the pastor, something for one of the elders. So you took time from someplace else to build up the bank over there, but guess what? You diminished your account and you can't redeposit because that's gone. It's gone. And I know where from I speak when I share this. God knows I'm, it's on my heart. God knows it's in my head. And God knows I did that. But you got to keep in mind that God is reminding us that most of us will put him on hold because we can't see him. And because for whatever reason, foolishly, we decide that we can always make it up. Can't do that. But here's the really, really great thing about God is that he is a very compassionate, loving, and forgiving Heavenly Father. But the more and more we push him in the background and we do that, it becomes more and more difficult to find time and share with him. And then we complain because we think we can't find him. It isn't. He's where he always is. Not a game of hide and seek. He didn't change hiding places and go in behind the laundry room door because where he was before was too easy for you to find. Well, guess what? He stayed there. He doesn't move and he doesn't hide. He stays right where he always is. Within verbal access, within reach, all you have to do, I've shared this before, the farthest he ever gets is the distance that it is from your knees to the floor. If you feel yourself, you need to be in that prayer position, that's the farthest he goes. Doesn't go any farther than that. The devil likes you to think he does, and the devil wants you to believe that he does. He doesn't. You can turn your head either to the left shoulder, to the right shoulder. Abba. Abba, Yahweh. I need your touch. I've told you already, he gets like that when he comes and he's hovering with his here and his here. He puts his arms around me and I can feel it. I know that he's here. You can't see him. I can feel him. And remember, I share this with you often. 
Your validation doesn't matter because I know what I know. And what I know is not hearsay. What I know, I get from the infallible truths that I find in his word and the empirical evidence that he shares with me because that is reality. And the only validation that matters to me and the only thing I care about is from him. The sad part of it is, is that so many of us, and I, I was that way. I'm, <laughs> I'm not anymore. I need to pray about that. Maybe get a get into the medium. <laughs> but busyness, and I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about busyness. And there are individuals that actually glorify that because they think that they have to be busy doing something because sitting idle and having idle time is somehow wrong. And the devil loves to get us to believe that being still and knowing and recognizing that Hashem is the Lord thy God, that that's wrong. Somehow that's wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. And we should, and we will regret taking that time. Well, let me share this with you. You will regret not having taken that time. And you have to remember that the pseudonym for Satan is liar. That's one of them. Fear is the other one. He breaks in to enter, to lie, steal, cheat, rob, kill, and destroy. And that's all not about a physicality thing here, brothers and sisters. That's a mental issue, okay? He will break into your thought process and he is going to get you to believe things that aren't there or at all relevant, but get you to believe that they are. I've shared with you illustrations of these, verbal illustrations. Einstein. He was, uh, he was one of the famous second guessers. Sir Isaac Newton, wow. Yeah, he definitely did. Lost out on some really profound issues where he had gone to second guess an equation and the equation he had was already correct. Einstein's done the very same thing. Yeah, world famous physicist and all that and everybody goes, well, that didn't do anything. Well, it meant it to him because he second guessed it and he missed out and somebody else had that then, you know, and that's where his import was as well. But these other individuals capitalized on his second guessing. Professor Jonathan Nash was another one and there was a very, really great, awesome movie that was made. Russell Crowe played the part, but it was a true story. This man was a brilliant-minded, just an absolute genius mind. And he saw things that nobody else could see. And so they all thought he was a nutcase. He was, has lost his mind. And when we look around and we see people that are walking down the street and it looks like they're carrying on a conversation, let me ask you this. How do you know that there's not somebody there that you can't see? 
that for whatever reason, that they are able to see and they can manifest those images, even if they're only a partial image to them. And how do you know that they're not seeing that? Who are you to decide that they're just nutcase? Who are you to decide? There's a spiritual realm that is around us all the time. And I've shared this with you before. And you might decide I'm a nutcase and I don't care because your validation is not what matters to me. The validation of my Lord, my God is the one that matters to me. All that matters to me. I know that there's another spiritual spectrum that is out there and that our angelic hosts and protectors are around us all the time because Satan and his minions and his demons are around us all the time and working at trying to take from us and get us to separate ourselves from our heavenly father so that we will perish, not just die. And remember, I've shared this with you before, that perishing has got nothing to do with dying physically, but everything to do with dying spiritually. You can, you have, uh, the Bible talks about it as a first death and a second death. Physical death is that first death. We will die from this plane of existence and pass into the spiritual realm. And if you perish from there, then you are going to spend your eternity in hell, away from your loved ones, away from God, away from heaven, away from things that you really, really ought to see and have and that God wants you to have, and he's offered it freely. But Satan wants you to believe that it's not free. And Satan doesn't want you to have that. I shared this with you before. He doesn't want you to have that because he's from there. He used to be there. And like I shared with you before, Praying in the spirit, in the heavenly language, that language of angels is what Paul talks about. And in the scripture, he writes about, though I speak with the tongues of men or the tongue of angels. But what he's talking about is heavenly speech, the language of the Holy Spirit, which will give you utterance. You're not going to understand it and quit trying to translate it. And I know people that try to do that. They try to translate what they're saying, or they try to pretend that they're doing it by speaking a language that they're familiar with. Well, it doesn't work that way because the language of heaven is something that you cannot speak without the Holy Spirit, and you're not gonna be able to translate it without the Holy Spirit, because you are not glorified and you're not there yet. Neither am I, but I do it. I do it with the Holy Spirit. The devil wants you to believe that that can't be done. Well, it can, and it should be. Because when you do that, you are not allowing Satan and his minions to be able to intercept what you're talking about. I've shared this with you before too. It's like the code talkers in World War II when they had the Indians were speaking openly across the radio in their native tongue and the Japanese forces couldn't intercept what they were talking about because they had no idea. They thought it was some kind of a new code, so they went to work on trying to break the code, except the only problem is that they were speaking their native language. And they couldn't translate it. Don't get wrapped up in having to have more meetings and more time that is devoted to all this other stuff. And the illusion that Satan really, really enjoys is that you have to have more of everything. Well, that's not true. And I've heard people say this. I've actually heard somebody kind of off 
offhandedly mention it. They were out in the foyer in not this church, but in another church I went to, and they were talking about all this stuff and laughing about all these things they had going on and stuff they had to do. Yeah, well, whoever has the most in the end wins. Says who? And what are you going to do with it when you die? When you walk down the end of your driveway to collect the mail and you have a massive heart attack and you fall on your face and you do a nose plant in your driveway. Who gets all that that you're working on? Because you were so busy, you didn't take the time to map out anything for anyone. And the consequences that take place behind that, it's pretty horrendous. And then what happens when you start dividing everything up to give to family members and you don't make a certain judgment or you don't make a... Uh, you don't make something for someone else. Maybe you gave the, the car that the youngest child always had their eye on and when they got old enough to, to be able to drive on their own, they would love to have had that, but you gave it to another child who didn't give two shakes about it. And as soon as got it, went and wrecked it and then sold it. And the other child who would have been devoted and just absolutely loved it because it was yours and loved it because he took after you and really liked automobiles. Where the other child couldn't care less. And then you get the big stinks going on with all the family members that are fighting to have what they really didn't deserve anyway. And then there's a big battle. I saw it happen Saw it happen with my brothers. Well, it didn't happen with the oldest of us. There were a couple where they were pretty stinkers, and one of them was really actually bad about it. And it turned into an absolute battle, a battle royale. So, who wins in the end? I got the most, I got the most. And where are you going to do with it? You're going to put it in a moving van, and if you're lucky enough to get to go to heaven... Well, let me, no, let me not, let me not put it that way. If you're blessed enough to be able to go to heaven, you have to know that you're not going to be able to take it with you anyway. You can't take it up there. And if you were a true Christian and a true believer, you'd know that wasn't the case and you wouldn't be so caught up in doing that. So that just nullifies everything I was about to say. So never mind. <laughs> but what do you win? You don't win anything. You spent time away from your family and your children because time had become your tyrant and your idol. And you didn't spend time talking with God, praying with God, practicing his presence or his hearness, which is... And if you were practicing his presence and you were practicing his hearness and you were being with God and abiding with God, you would know that anything you do relative to this plane of existence doesn't matter because God is, number one, he's our loving heavenly father and he's very forgiving. So those things that you get all caught up in, you would have to be getting forgiven for anyway. And he's plenty willing to do that. Here's the thing. 
He came and he hung on the cross and died for you and me. And he already knew that we didn't, we weren't holy. And a lot of people use that as an excuse and it's like trying to pour water into a seed. It just, it doesn't work. Waiting to become holy before you come to God for salvation is exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. Your salvation is what makes you holy. Jesus Christ makes each one of us holy. And when you come to the Father through the Son and you say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for all these things that I have done. I want Jesus in my life. Jesus, my Lord, I want you in my life. I want to change. I want to have faith in you, Father God. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. Guide my studies. Guide my actions. Make it more important to spend time with you. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't even think about. People can be blessed by us. I've had a couple instances and I really, it, it's awesome. Didn't realize, I, I, I believe I just shared that with you this last sit down, was that I came into the circle where I need to be to park my bus and do my deal. And the young man came over and he goes, and he was crying. He goes, oh, I thought I missed you. I go, no, I'm right here. It's okay. We're not leaving for a few minutes. He goes, no, I thought I missed you. I need, I needed to see you. I wanted to see you. I needed to see you. And then we just started talking about God and had some questions and things that his, uh, his fiance had been asking him about. And he's like, I knew that. I thought I saw that in the Bible there. And I knew that was right. And then he was sharing that that they're trying to get into church and do all the things. And we just started talking. This is that time I shared with you that I just lost uh, lost track of time, but God bent it for me and everything was good. And we get so caught up in things. Oh, interesting. I didn't even see this. This is one, <laughs> this is down here. Wow. Father, thank you. Um, I actually went to look for it because I was thinking about this. And as I flip over the end of my reading, it's about Martha and Mary. And remember when they were getting ready to go And when Jesus went out and he was visiting, that they went down to a village and Martha and Mary, I believe those were Lazarus' sisters. And he went down and they had invited him to their house. 
to visit and eat with them. And he went and Mary sat down by Jesus and she sat on the floor by his feet. He was sitting on a stool and was, was teaching and sharing. And Mary sat down there because she was really, really interested in hearing Jesus teach. Well, Martha was all wrapped up and worried about everything that was going on and serving food and refreshment and doing this and that and the other thing that was so caught up in some of those things that I was sharing with you. And she was so glorifying busyness because she had to be busy thinking that everybody was going to be upset or angry and hungry. So she put that as a priority to listening to the word of God, the truth as it came from the only begotten son of God who was with God from the beginning, who was the word with God, was with God, was in God, was from God and came and manifested and made flesh. Remember John talked about that? I'm gonna go back to John 1.1. 1, 1. Remind you where Jesus came from. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Talking about Jesus who was manifest and came and died for us. So Martha was too busy with all the other stuff and Mary was there because that was what was important to her. And Martha was so caught up with everything else. In Luke 10, 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which was sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she come and help me. So she was now so distressed because she was so caught up worrying about everything else that she was became more concerned. See, this is how it sort of, this is how it uh, evolves. And that was an evolution taking place. At first, she wasn't worried about it at all. And then she got to serving everything up. And then more and more people came in, which was usually the fashion when Jesus was around somewhere, is that more people would press in one, even in somebody's residence, and it happened a few times, where they came in and they tried to press. When they were bringing the gentleman who was uh, was uh, crippled from birth, and they had a break in the roof, whose house did they bust in the roof? That was Zebedee. That was James and John's parents' house. They broke the roof so they could lower this man in to get healed. And Jesus didn't stir that up. They just did it because they wanted to be close to him. So Martha's starting, and then it evolves into where she's looking around. She's seeing that Mary's not doing what Martha thinks Mary should be doing. So then Martha comes out. She enters the room and she looks and she sees Mary is sitting down at Jesus' feet and she's looking up at him and listening to what he's saying. So then Martha comes in and she's got the audacity, which many of us do in a different way, 
by putting off God as we do. We don't have time for God. We're going to put him in the back room. And we made time that tyrant, that idol. So here comes Martha. Does not not care my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus looked at her and he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Hear the translation. Just like it tells us that in Philippians, be careful for nothing. What that translates into and can change to is be anxious for nothing. Don't allow anxiousness to stir you up because being anxious will cause so many issues. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. So that was about as gentle a rebuke as I have read Jesus to give to anyone. And Jesus did rebuke. And he was very gentle in his way of doing so. And that was pretty gentle. He just told Martha, he didn't tell her to go out and be about her business and get it all done. He gave her the opportunity to have the same choice. Actually, I, my perspective is this. And I'm not telling you that that's what he was doing. I'm not saying that's what he meant to do. But the, in my perspective... And as gentle as he was with her, I believe that he was giving Mary or Martha an opportunity to be and do the same thing. Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So in that simple statement, I, I believe, just my perception doesn't make it so, but I believe that Jesus was pretty much telling Martha, you can have a choice. Let everything go that you're so worried about here now, we can take care of it later. Of course, he's not saying all this. And come and sit down and share with us. And then we can get to that. There were times where Jesus went and visited and that's what they did. Waited until later. Didn't have to be worried about it. But I mean, in their culture in that day and time, that's the way they were always concerned about making sure that people had comfort. But Jesus was concerned about sharing truth, the knowledge and wisdom that was more important. So.
So, as I was sharing with you from the reading, is that we have a tendency to put everything on back burner to take care of our busyness. And don't don't misunderstand that and that and it's spelled differently so that it's you can see that it's different. I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about busyness. So worried about getting that done, this done, this, and it has nothing to do with business. It just has to do with being busy. That there are individuals that think that if they're not busy and wrapped up doing something, then they're doing something wrong. And it's not that way at all. Practicing the presence of God, being established in his hereness, taking time to be with him, to spend time with him. Let me share this with you too. God appreciates that you sacrifice to do so because he understands that there are things that are taking place around us in our world. And when you take that time to give to him, he sees it as a sacrifice. The reality of it is that it is indeed. And for many others, it's even more so. So taking that time, and he honors it. God does honor that thing. If you take that thing that we have made something more important and we set it aside and make him the most important thing, God honors that. Oh, indeed he does. Indeed he does. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, on my going out, my coming in every day. Be blessed.